Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Man, I'm doing as good as anyone can do getting buried by his 13-year-old son on leg day. <laughs> I'm not going to apologize for not being on this podcast because I got to go see Metallica. So if that's a problem, kiss my ass. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. This is In Liberty and Health, episode number 99. I am pretty fired up today. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, I had... Um, one of your uh, dear friends on here, um, probably a couple months back, Mr. Jeremy Todd, that okay. freaking uh, stud, and uh, he had a lot of good things to say about you. And the guy who did the designs for my logo and kind of my whole branding, Hunter McGuinn, um, had a lot of good things to say about you as well. And I watch you on Tim Pool, and I've listened to your podcast a little bit. So uh, yeah, I've been uh, stoked to uh, finally get a chance to finally uh, sit down and talk with you, dude. So uh, how you doing today? I'm doing good, my man. Well, thank you, number one, for having me on. And yeah, Jeremy. So Jeremy is one of our co-hosts here over on the Brian Nichols Show. So he hosts a show called Sell Liberty. Mm-hmm. And, and really what we focus on is helping bring the ideas of sales, marketing to the world of politics, specifically in the liberty movement. So that's been his approach there. And then, the, yeah, Hunter. Hunter is just absolutely fantastic. He works a lot here behind the scenes doing video, graphic design, all that fun stuff. So uh, two A-plus guests there. Thank you. And yeah, dude, my experience on Tim Pool was awesome. It was so fun. Tim is incredible. The team is as amazing and as cool as they seem on, on camera. They are even cooler off camera. Uh, so it was a great opportunity there. And uh, in the world of, of Brian Nichols, I mean, my man, we are busy as ever. So for the Brian Nichols show, we focus, um, and I mentioned this, you know, for Sell Liberty, but the main idea and, and focus of the show is how do we bring liberty-based solutions to the problems that we see here in uh, in our world today? And, and really, how do we do it outside of the political leviathan, right? That seems to be right now where people, they're tired of the politi- uh, political conversation. If they're going to engage in the political conversation, they're doing so more out of self-defense than anything. Yeah. And, and I think what we're seeing is that people are overtly just done with that old way of doing things and are embracing uh, just newer technologies, newer solutions that make the, the government solutions themselves just kind of inept by design. And, and that's a good thing. Uh, we don't have to necessarily go through and unwind you know, 200 plus years of, of law to try and get back to Libertopia, but rather we can just see as technology advances, in many cases, it makes a lot of the laws irrelevant. It makes a lot of the the you know the, the positions that politicians of yesteryear made irrelevant. So we need to focus more on that. And, and frankly, that's what we've been doing over at the Brian Nichols Show. So 
uh, yeah, five, five days a week, Monday through Friday. I'm having amazing guests on from both the Liberty Movement, but also across the world of business, marketing, sales, and uh, all that in between. So yeah, man, it's been a blast. And I've gotten to speak to some pretty darn cool and uh, exciting and, and really a lot smarter than me people out there. That's been, that's been the best part of the program. Yeah, dude, that's all awesome stuff. And I've definitely found kind of the same thing in about, I want to say a little over seven months of doing the podcast is that uh, the people who you can get on and that are willing to talk and that are just regular people is astounding to me. Um, you've had uh, Mark Lobliner on a couple times as um, I had him on once. And, you know, I never would have thought somebody that I watched in my childhood would be, I, I'd be talking to this guy and he'd just be like a regular dude, essentially. Um it's podcasting truly is just something otherworldly to me to be able to connect with people all over the world. I've talked to people in China, you know, people all the way on the other side of the planet. It's, yep. it's really incredible. And I don't think we stop and realize how grateful we really should be to be able to uh, connect. You're in Philadelphia, correct? I, I, I used to be, um, oh, okay. I just moved actually back in January out of Philly. Um, cause it got weird. Good it got move. bad. Yeah. yeah, it got bad very fast here with uh, with COVID. And two years of that, checked out, said, nope, no no more of that. Um, and you know what? I just saw Philadelphia literally yesterday. I think it was yesterday or maybe this morning just announced that they have reinstituted the uh, the mask mandate for children in, in school. Uh, you know, just, just to wrap up the school year, man. Mm -hmm. Like, what are we doing? I, I don't understand why they still think that they can get away with this. And we we talk about kids being the most the, the most vulnerable in of all of society right. and yet we have let them be the ones who have who have really taken the the brunt of this covid-19 pandemic and the insane government policies that we we've, we've passed down from from edict on high they they're the ones who are really have suffered the most over the past few years we've seen educations ruined childhoods ruined now we're we're psychologically torturing them by forcing them to wear masks indefinitely in yeah. schools it seems and and this will not end until until we say it ends so no yeah long story short get out of blue cities if you are a liberty loving person or if you're a person who you know you like what you're seeing in, in these blue cities please stay enjoy and and reap the uh, the fruits of your labor Oh, dude, absolutely. And, um, you know, I'm on the other side of the state. Sorry, my pit bull's trying to get all the attention in the world. Sometimes no, it's all good. Welcome to the show. <laughs> yeah, she's one of my less featured guests. I got two other dogs. Uh, my mini pins sitting down here at my feet and uh, my Doberman Australian Shepherd is normally being obnoxious, but she's being pretty needy right now. Um, so yeah, Philadelphia was a freaking shit show, dude. And yep. I know you plan on checking this on your show, so I apologize for uh, my potty mouth. Um, but uh, oh, good, good. Uh, yeah, I've I'm about uh hour north of Pittsburgh, and yeah, I got pretty bad here. I remember when uh, in March, my fiance and I were out to eat at Foga de Chow, which is like a uh, Brazilian steakhouse where yep. they bring you, you know, it's, it's like the greatest thing in the world. Oh, it's amazing. So, yeah. 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 <laughs> so we were eating and I remember getting a little message on my phone while she's really struggling. Um, we were eating and all of a sudden I got a message on my phone that said um, Pennsylvania is now, or Pittsburgh declared a state of emergency. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of weird. I remember looking outside and I'm like, okay, well, everything still seems relatively normal. So what the hell? And then surely enough, like two weeks later, my fiance comes home with a letter that literally says, show this to the police 
if you are outside driving, if they pull you over and ask why you're outside driving. It got weird fast, huh? Oh, dude, it was insane. Yeah. And look, I'm a mechanic, right? My hands are incredibly calloused, rough, right? I work on cars every single day, 10 hours a day, pretty much for the last damn near 10 years. I got laid off. I never thought in my entire life that I would get laid off from working on cars. It was the most bizarre thing in the world. So um, I guess uh, I kind of want to ask you, what was your life in like in uh, early 2020 because you were in Philly and then mm. you just moved out. So, uh, you know, what was your experience there? I, I have a few friends over there, but I'm curious to hear what your story was. Well, apparently my experience in Philadelphia was incredibly different than uh, a lot of folks who weren't in, in like the, the very blue areas. Mm-hmm. Um, namely because we have mayor Phil Kenny, who's like, he's, he's basically, he's like the male version of Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> like it and he just he knows everything better than everybody and he sure. makes sure that you know all about it so I, I remember distinctly you know sitting there and getting the um the, the talking to from from governor wolf saying that there were going to be essential versus non-essential people that was weird yeah and i i, I kind of had my padme amidala star wars said this is how liberty dies with a <laughs> applause moment and yep. And you saw this because people were terrified, right? Everybody was terrified. I remember going to the, the shop right down the road and um, you, know, you stand there in shop right, you look around, nobody will make eye contact with anybody. Everybody is wearing their masks. Everybody is just beyond uh, the pale. They're wearing face shields. We're standing on little dots that are telling us where to be. Um, mm-hmm. Toilet paper is being ripped off the shelves. And, and for about two months or so, the entire city shut down like literally ghost town it was it was weird and and in may things i mean never got back to normal black lives matter protests pretty much um signified i think in the men- the mentality of your average normal sane person that oh okay like if if this can happen then it's not the end of the world virus that was is told we you know we were but then after that you had your your mask believers the the you know covid vaccine believers who just would promote this en masse and, and it got to the point where if you if you did not toe the narrative you'd not wear a mask you weren't a good person if you weren't yeah. Um, you know, actively singing Pfizer's praises. You weren't a good person. Uh, if, if I didn't have brought to you by sponsor, uh, Pfizer at the sponsor at the end of my, my program, um, I wasn't a good person apparently to some folks. And for the first few weeks of, or first few months of 2020, um, not only did I see a lot of the people in, not just people, the, the community in Philadelphia change. You see some of the very, the very, um, you know, dear and near people that you held close, they change entirely. I mean, yeah. you know, I talk about like just how much COVID I think impacted a lot of us from a, you know, a personal standpoint. I had two of my very best friends. I haven't talked to in basically a month or a month and a year. Let's get it right. Um, because I was promoting dangerous ideas throughout all of COVID, right? Because I wasn't towing Dr. Fauci's narrative. And I questioned the CDC and I questioned mask efficacy and I questioned, you know, the, the reports of, from, from VAERS about what was happening with the, the COVID uh, vaccine reactions. And I questioned my own personal health saying I'm not in bad health. I actually have been quite good health. I take care of myself. I am active. I, I physically fit. I take my vitamins, you know, vitamin D. I, I don't see this being an issue that I need to go out and take a vaccine for, I, you know, I'll take my risk. And I ended up, I got Omicron like 
pretty much anybody who either was vaccinated or wasn't vaccinated ended up getting. And I had just pretty much average symptoms. I mean, it felt like shit for a month and that was about it. Um, after that, I, 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 you know, the long COVID, I mean, besides just your traditional allergy season, like no, nothing, nothing has really been hitting me. And I, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm thankful, but mm-hmm. was I vaxxed? No. Um, did I receive a lot of heck for that? Absolutely. Um, you know, from, from friends and family alike. And, you know, I, I think we saw this happen Kyle across the board where yeah. people, they really had to st- to, to question, you know, we're, we're, it, I hate going to Harry Potter. I hate being that millennial, but like there, the, the Dumbledore, um, there'll be a time where we'll have to decide between what is easy and what is right. And like, it was really easy to, to bend the knee and just be like, yeah, I'm going to get vaxxed. Yeah. I'm going to go wear my mask. Yeah. I'm going to do everything that I'm told to do. That was the easy thing to do. It was very difficult to stand up and be the person not telling the line, especially in an area like Philadelphia. I mean, I, uh, my, my sister-in-law was uh, telling us how, you know, back when it started to get kind of normal in the beginning of 2021, vaccine comes out. And pretty much if you, if you were like, hey, I got my vax, I'm done. It was done for about a month or so, right? That was the, the <laughs> it was a month. And yeah. um, she was saying how even in Philadelphia in her area where the, the, the people that they lived around, like if they went out and they were double vaxxed, right? But if they went out without masks on, even still, they would get the look, you know, that, mm, what are you doing? And, and that for them, even, you know, they're, and they're both, you know, more, more on the, the left, but to see that kind of was like, okay, even they're realizing it's a little, it's a little much. And I think what we need to do is we needed to take, take what we've seen and, and not, not, not only not forget, but also not let the, the pressure up because this is not going away. Back to what I was bringing up here at the beginning, Philadelphia just reinstituted the mask mandate for five to seven-year-olds in school for two more weeks while they, they wrap up their schooling. What, what is this? What, what insanity is this? And it will not stop until we say it has to stop. And, and frankly, we either say it stops and, and, and go out and, and protest and, and make it stop and vote, or we vote with our feet, which is what I did. I moved out. I moved to, to Indiana. I got out of Philadelphia. I got out of Pennsylvania. Um, they, they want to, to tell me that I'm essential versus non-essential. They want to tell right. me that I have to, to wear a mask to go patron uh, my favorite restaurants in downtown Philly. Oh, nope, just kidding. You have, now you have to have a, va- a, a, a vax mandate. And you have to have your vax passport to, to show you want to go to, to your favorite restaurant. I, I'm sorry. No, you're not only not going to get my patronage now. You're not getting my tax dollars. You're not getting any support from me. I'm, I'm entirely picked up and left. I sold my home. I am no longer pay, paying property taxes. Like nothing from me. And that's what that's what millions of folks across the United States have done. I'd say across the world have done over the past two years is they have voted with their feet. They have left these blue cities, these blue states in mass. That's why you see states like Florida and Texas. South Dakota, their numbers are, are increasing exponentially, whereas blue states like California, like New York, they're hemorrhaging uh, residents left and right. Why? Because they have the most insane policies and continue to have the most insane policies. And, and it, I think only until the, the financial hit hits them will they actually let up the, the gas or even sooner, November 2022, um, I think they're going to feel it at the ballot box. And that right there is going to be a huge wake-up call. Like, are you you familiar with upstate New York, like Billy Fusillo from Fusillo Auto Mall, huge? 
Uh, no, not really. No? no, okay. So for those playing along the home game, just go look up Billy Fusillo huge, and you'll appreciate how huge November 2022 will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Well, you know what? This kind of gets to, uh, I guess, a little bit more of your specialty here in the Liberty Movement is that uh, the Libertarian Party in 2020 really dropped the ball. And look, I like Joe Jorgensen. I even donated to Joe Jorgensen. <laughs> they and, sure did. Yeah, and people love to hate her. But if you look at her and what she believes in, she really is a solid Libertarian. I mean, Oh, yeah, 100% she is. But, but she... Yep. She's not a good messenger. She's not go. a good seller, right? So, but this is the problem in 2020. Um, and I heard you talk about this with, uh, I think it was Chris Spangle from We Are Libertarians on uh, his show, was um, Trump was a great marketer, right? And obviously all libertarians agree this dude should go to prison for the rest of his life for, you know, preventing the, uh, or for continuing the genocide in Yemen, just strictly for arms sales and for Israel and whatever other interests are at hand there. But let, let's not, you know, not have respect for our enemy and not learn from them because Trump, the bombastic personality and the person, the populist that he was that was very powerful to a lot of people and as a guy who's a blue collar dude and has been for his entire life um you can't underestimate that because when you go to these places and you see um towns like what i live in and probably where you grew up in when you were living in philly um there's shut down factories everywhere i was talking to tommy Sammons about this earlier um the power of a 20th, 20th century style candidate populist who just goes around saying i'm going to bring your jobs back um i don't hate you and i want to see our industry booming again that's powerful and that really resonates with people now imagine if you could capture an even larger voting block of people our age who are more 21st century oriented and you're able to do the same populist messaging hey i don't hate you but you've been screwed over by the elites by the big banks by the military industrial complex by now the medical industrial complex what if we had someone like that messaging for libertarians you can't you can't overestimate how powerful that would be in the amount of people that you could bring to our side and it's like people are ripe for the picking at this point and i don't want to see the republicans have a red wave in 2022 if it means that liberty is left behind because that's kind of how it's looking to be because it seems like now this culture's you know this culture um battle is going to go back to the right and I don't think it's going to be 100% good. And I don't think it's going to be 100% bad either. But I think a lot of people, especially libertarians, are missing in the opportunity and also kind of blind to the downfalls that could come with this swing back right. Yeah, I mean, so let, let's look at the ticket from 2020. Yeah. If it had been flipped, libertarians would have had a much better communicator uh, of libertarian ideas as it pertains to the top of mind issues of those voters at that moment in 2020, um, which obviously would have been leading COVID lockdowns. I mean, that was the biggest ball that was dropped. Yeah. Um, but and, and obviously, I'm referring to Spike Cohen. Spike, you know, knocks it out of the park when it comes to actually talking about the issues people care about. And we have a lot of libertarian candidates who are lining up right now who I think would be phenomenal libertarian candidates for 2024, namely Spike, Dave Smith, Justin Amash, Larry Sharp. I think you, I mean, just even those four alone, you'd be in great hands, right? Absolutely. But I, I dare say if you look at where Joe dropped the ball, and, and you did start to mention this, it's that she is a professor at heart. She wants to go into the nitty-gritty and go through the laundry list of what it means to be a libertarian. I had her on my show. It was October before the election, 
and I, I said, you know, Joe, you're talking to the voters. What are some of the you know, top three issues that you want to focus on? And she goes in literally, I'm not even kidding, Kyle. She just like walked right through the, uh, the, the question. Well, here's what it means to be a libertarian. It means we focus on this, this, and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And I fell asleep during Sound that. like a substitute teacher. And that's what it felt like, <laughs> right? And, and yeah. that's if you, if you take that to the voter, right? The voter doesn't want to hear what it means to be a libertarian. Mm -hmm. Why? Because they don't care. Why should they care? What does it mean to them what being a libertarian means to us? What they right. want to see is, and, and what we should be showing is, what does the libertarian ideas mean for me as it pertains to the political process? Right. We, we have done a terrible job in being able to connect the dots. What we've done is we say, look at this book. It's amazing. It's got all the amazing answers to life's problems, and it's all right here. And all you have to do is you have to read this book and then another one and another one and another one. And we good idea people to death instead of saying, hey, I noticed that while you were at the grocery store today, you were complaining about how the grocery cart isn't as full as it used to be when you're putting $100 worth of food in, into the cart. Well, maybe we can talk about how we got here, right? I mean, would that be something you'd be open to discussing? And then all of a sudden you're talking about something that's real to them. And then you can start to position a libertarian solution. And here's the best part. You can do two things. Either A, present a real solution outside of the political realm, which is going to be something that's being built outside, whether it's, you know, let's talk about getting out of the monetary system with Bitcoin, or you're talking about you know, different organizations who are trying to help combat the costs of living increases. Some, it could be anything, or you can go the political route, say, hey, that's why we're trying to audit the Fed, or that's why we're trying to end the Fed. That's why we're trying to make it so it's easier to get alternative forms of currency. That's why we're trying to get rid of our, our you know, fiat monetary policy that we have currently in place. You can start to articulate those conversations in different ways versus just saying, here's a great idea that I had, and that it's been had for the past hundred and 200 and some odd years by all these great thinkers. And you just try to make people care about the issues you care about. You have to bring the ideas instead to the people. What is it that they are actually concerned about? What are the, the emotional triggers that are hitting them? And then enter into that conversation. You want to enter into the conversation that they're already having either in their own mind or at the kitchen table, right? What is the thing that's keeping them up at night? And then tie your solution emotionally to whatever that problem is, and then offer that solution as a real, tangible, viable solution, you've all of a sudden, uh, you've changed from being guy standing on corner with blowhorn and boot on head screaming at somebody, and instead have become a trusted advisor, someone who cares about their actual success and getting from where they are in their current state to a better future state. And oh, by the way, you're giving them a real map to actually get from that point A to point B. Right. And, and that's kind of the problem with a lot of libertarians. And I do think a lot um, have gotten better recently because now we've um, kind of decided to start talking more in concrete terms, right? Because after 2020, if your world wasn't changed, then I don't like the, the whole world is now different and everything that we're dealing with is now different. So, and a lot of people are asking for real solutions. I don't want to be locked in my home again. This, what it costs me to fill up my gas tank is ridiculous. Um, these foreign wars, they're sending $40 billion over to Ukraine, 
but then we don't have baby formula at home. So instead of sitting here telling people to read Mises or Rothbard, um, people people just don't have any. They don't care about that, right? You have the bandwidth. Yeah. Can you blame right. them? Like, it, it, no. imagine, right? You're just imagine the person we're talking about, right? You're exhausted. You wake up every morning. You you're like, okay, I have to go to three jobs today just to be able to get enough money to, to make all the ends, maybe just enough meat, right? And on top of that, you're dealing with, with whatever extra issues you have. Maybe you have family issues. Maybe you have kids that have to go to school and you have to make sure you're dropping them off. And on top of that, your boss is telling you to make sure that you get that project that you have to get done by Friday done. And you're so be far behind because you're trying to play catch up in 13 other different areas. And then the smug libertarian says, did you read this book yet? Yeah. Like, no, no, I didn't read the book yet. When, when would you like me to read the book in between when I'm at my first job, my second job, my third job, dropping my kid off from work, trying to go, you know, what, what do you want from me? And instead of, of trying, again, going back to the idea of good IDing people to death, we have to instead start to bring the solutions we have to them. And instead of like making them do the legwork, make it easy for them, do the legwork for them. People want easy. They want simple. They don't, they don't want a lecture, right? They don't want mean lady scolding at the the top the you know front of the class with the the lectern and telling you you know why you need to have these certain principles and values because this is the values and principles that libertarians have doesn't it doesn't work that way yeah the finger wagging i think a lot of people just have zero patience for and i can kind of see this when i talk to my coworkers who are all boomer cons right <laughs> um <laughs> I, when i try to finger wag at them and explain libertarianism to them in you know any kind of derogatory way it goes absolutely nowhere and i even see this in kind of like the post-libertarian realm now too is that they're kind of finger wing finger wagging back at the people in the libertarian party it's like okay well why don't we kind of figure out where each one's going wrong and where each one's going right and then let's kind of discuss the ideas surrounding that right um so if you think that people are just going to pick up, once again, the biggest Mises book that you can give them and read it, you're out of your freaking mind. I see people tell me all the time, read the Bitcoin standard. I'm, I'm not going to do that. I'm sorry. I'm just, I don't care. I'm not going to do it. I, I understand the basis of Bitcoin. I, I just have zero time to do that, right, dude? I, I, I'm an athlete. I'm getting married this year. I work, you know, nine to 10 hours a day. I run the podcast. I have so many different freaking things going on. So someone like me who would be attracted to something like Bitcoin, I'm not going to do it. So what the hell makes you think that the average person walking down the street who's pissed off about inflation, what makes you think they're going to want to pick up the Bitcoin standard? Bingo. It's about zero. <laughs> <laughs> well, and we, and yet... And yet this has been the libertarian messaging and sales strategy for decades. Yeah. Kyle, it's, 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 um, what's the definition of insanity? Yeah. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Right. And, and like, what, what, what is this? I mean, I, I still get, uh, the, <laughs> the stupid libertarian newspaper, like in my mail. And I'm like, what if this was spent more effectively instead of like, pardon the expression the libertarian circle jerk like oh look at how great we were like oh look at we had a yeah. meeting great great you had a meeting nobody gives a shit like people want to see you going out and making real change in their their communities like 
stop being the online warrior and stop feeling great that you you really own that guy with Robert's rules of order. Like nobody <laughs> gives a shit in real life. You you want to make a difference and get people to actually like listen to what you have to say. Show them that you care first. Like go out, get involved in your community. Like one of the first things I did here, I joined the Chamber of Commerce when I I moved here. Now is the Chamber of Commerce a you know a, a staunch uh, supporter of free markets? No, but you know what? I can go ahead and I can talk to people at the Chamber of Commerce who are business owners, and I can almost guarantee that they're going to agree with a lot more libertarian ideas than the, the National Chamber of Commerce. And you know what? If we could maybe change the way we do the Chamber of Commerce here, wouldn't that be a good thing? So we had to stop looking at people who, who don't already think the way we think as our enemy instead of start looking for people who could be our target market. That's what we should be changing the framing because it's so easy to get into the dichotomy of left versus right, good team versus bad team. And instead go back towards something that's going to be actually a little more productive. Like let's aim towards people who are actually open to our ideas are actually entering into what I would call the window of dissatisfaction where they know shit's hitting the fan, but they haven't actively started looking for an alternative solution. Let's then be there, enter into that conversation that they're getting ready to have and be the people to help frame the alternative solution for them ahead of time. And then make sure that they realize it's the best solution because not only is it going to help solve their problems, a, but B, they're going to do so without the added headaches of solutions B and C, which would be the red team or blue team alternatives, which, I mean, you could go through those alternative headaches, right? I mean, it's like a laundry list you'd see on a prescription commercial that goes through like side effects may include runny nose, bleeding, anal fissures, like, and those go through and list off every worst possible case scenario. That's what happens when we vote for red team, blue team nonstop. You get those side effects, and yet we keep on taking the pill because we like the little dopamine rush that it gives us when our team will maybe win every two or four years. So instead, let's be the difference. And it starts by being more of an individual in your community, building those real relationships versus trying to be an edgelord or trying to educate good idea people to death online go out, build real relationships with real people, pardon the expression, but actually go out and touch grass, become involved in your communities, talk to real people. And I think you're also going to find that a lot of the issues that you see online that are like the worst thing ever, mm -hmm. if you go out into your community, it's not the worst thing ever. Yeah. Um, like I, I've been told many a time by people that like, if I, you know, I, just by being an American, I walk outside, I'm probably seeing a racist every 15 seconds. I, I have seen zero racism in, in the past, I don't know, like two years. Uh, in, from Philadelphia to here, I lived in a predominantly African-American neighborhood, like got along swimmingly with my neighbors. I, I, I do not understand why we have to continue perpetuating these, these narratives when it, it does not speak to what your average person sees when they walk outside. It, it's exhausting. The, the media narratives are just draining. Your average person's tired of it. They're tired of being lectured to. It goes back to the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, the scolding, that feeling of just like, you know, I know better than you. Like looking at Phil Kenny and his pompous ass when he would go on TV and tell me why he knows better than, than, than me and everybody else out there because he's mayor of Philadelphia. So, so what big, big flipping do like, I don't, I don't care. And, and you're, I think you're seeing a lot of people don't care anymore. They're like, I don't care that you're the mayor. This isn't right. Just because you're the mayor doesn't mean you can shut down my business for until when question mark indefinitely. What? That's not real life. Yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and it's not up to them to decide whether or not you can do business. And unfortunately, 
they made it their decision. Um, one thing I've kind of harped on on this uh, show quite a bit was the all cops are bastards phrase. And there's nothing that drives me nuts more because you will automatically completely remove yourself from any potential right leaning people. All libertarians are bastards. <laughs> no, so what, what if what if you heard that slogan yeah. from somebody right. on, the, on, the, on the left? Right. Would you want to go and engage in a conversation with them? No. Absolutely oh, God, no. not. Yeah, yeah. we expect the same from all cops or bastards what right and it's such a bad idea to kind of run in with that marketing but uh this also kind of taps on something that i've been trying to hit on especially since starting this show is that culture is very very important and there's no cohesive libertarian culture um i've been tossing this idea culture around. Of, it's like hurting cats that's why yeah right right um i don't know if in 2023 or 2024 if i want to do some kind of political campaign or if maybe i want to compete in competitive bodybuilding um and those are two incredibly drastically different things right but it's like okay well where would i make more good would i make more inroads being a competitive bodybuilder and i've never even said this publicly but um would i make more kind of inroads and more splash being a competitive bodybuilder because already those people are kind of on the fringe of society and they're actually more in our direction as you would know from speaking to mark Lobliner and plenty of other fitness oriented people they're already kind of in our direction yeah so if there's somebody in there to kind of push them a little bit further then what does that look like a couple of years down the line as you get more and more people and you expand that network or would i be better served being in some kind of political office because of my name around this area carries a lot of weight because of my dad my family um I don't know where to go and I don't know if I'll do either one, but it's something to consider. But, you know, when I think about the competitive bodybuilding kind of deal, um, that's very cultural because once again, that's completely outside of libertarianism mm -hmm. and I can build relationship capital with people. And then once we've built a relationship and I'm hanging with these people and they trust me, then I can give them the ideas of liberty. And then they now have the tools to kind of think for themselves a little bit more. It's not me coming in and saying oh my god look at me i'm jack to 10 all right now read the bitcoin standard and um <laughs> economics one lesson right it's i'm one of them i'm a friend i'm a familiar face so and then you know we go out we work out together and then they bring up man you know what i can't afford protein powder and actually protein powders and protein bars are becoming more expensive and they're actually reducing the protein content in them yep yes, and there's are. people motherfucking about this yep. well what happens if i could say well you know what there's this thing called the Federal Reserve that's stealing your purchasing power and also making it harder for farmers to produce these things. Well, that's kind of the root of the problem here. It's not just they're greedy and this just all of a sudden <laughs> happened, right? I come at them as a fellow traveler. So that's kind of where I've been thinking. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Necessarily I mean, Kyle, that, yeah. if I may... And and I may be dating myself, but like the commercial <laughs> of the little girl, the the why not both? Like mm. you you can do both, and I think I would actually encourage you to do both because, and I see this with what I do at the Brian Nichols show, and then with with my my sales career, mm -hmm. right? So I talked about this on Tim Pool when I was on Tim Pool. I said, you know, I I talk to sales professionals, I talk to business owners, I talk to entrepreneurs. There are so many of them out there who they have remained silent for fear 
of the canceling for fear of starting the conversation and the the debate on Facebook for the the you know starting the boycotts they they don't want any part of it and I spoke up and it was a a small business uh, summit up in uh, Wisconsin and there was about like two three hundred business owners there. And I'm on stage and I was meant to talk about uh, business technology and cybersecurity solutions. It's my day right. job. And, and one of the gentlemen at the very end um, comes up and he goes, yeah, this is, he's like, this isn't, this isn't a, a technology question. He's like, but you know, you, you do your show. And then one of the prior guests or speakers who was also there um, had also been on my show, David Bellman. And we'd actually had him on the show to talk about a tweet that I had done where I had taken a screenshot of a Facebook post he had posted from his his company mm-hmm. and Rob Schneider retweeted it. It showed the difference oh, wow. between inflation on lumber from, I think it was like a year's difference or so. And just like how little you could get now with the same amount of dollars that you could have gotten a year earlier. Rob Schneider retweets it, blows up. It actually gets mentioned on Tim Pool when that happened. And um, I'm, I'm there, I, you know, I'm talking to this this gentleman at this, uh, this conference and he asked the question about, you know, hey, you talked about this with David about, you know, you get involved in politics, but talk to us, like, how, how does that feel? Like when you go out, like, do you get nervous? Are you concerned that will push people away that it will actually stop people from doing business with you? And candidly, that probably will happen, but that's okay in my book, because mm-hmm. I think what we're, we're going to find is that you will attract more people to you by being your authentic self by not holding back what it is you actually believe, because when they see you standing out saying, this is what I believe, then, and and it might be controversial, right? It might not be the popular opinion. That might not be the the expert TM opinion. However, right, it it may be the best opinion and the best uh, choice that we've made, the rationalization we've made based on the information we have and trying to do the best for, in this case, our customer. And- Mm -hmm. And if they can see that you're doing that despite that, that speaks to what you'll do when you're trying to help them. And I've seen this firsthand where if you put your customer's best interests in mind always, and you lead with your authentic self as as truly not just one of service, but of of trying to build value. And that sometimes requires you to, to tell your customer, hey, this might not be a good fit. Or, hey, have you considered an alternative way of doing something? A lot of times, one of the hardest things I have to do in my, my, my day job when I'm talking business technology is getting somebody usually who's a lot smarter than me in the IT world to consider that maybe the solution they have in place isn't perfect and that there might be a better way of doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and that sometimes can be the most difficult thing because you're, you're not putting a person into a position where you're making them feel bad, but more so you're trying to show them, hey, that's okay because you were probably building that based on this information, but here's all the new stuff that's happened since you last did that. Let me show you at least what we've been doing to help other companies and how it's helped them. Okay. Let's hop on a call, you know, 15, mm-hmm. you know, 15 minutes or so next week. How does that sound? And, and then you can take that time to, to dig deeper, build the, the trust. And you can do that by showing that you not only have gone out and done the research and asking phenomenal questions, but then the, the listening part, the, the sitting back, being able to take in what they're saying. And you see this, and I'm not even going to lie, Kyle, like I have become 
infinitely a better salesperson when I became a host of my show, because you have to ask phenomenal questions in sales in order to get anything moving forward, because there are so much that, that your prospects will keep behind the vest, not out of, you know, trying to keep it from you or trying to trick you or deceive you, but rather they just don't know that you need to know that you're supposed Mm -hmm. to be the expert. So guide them, help them see like, this is what we're going to need here, here, and here, make it black and white, give them something physical that they can go ahead and look back to like whatever it may be, but it goes through in actually building that natural trust. It takes time. It takes energy. It takes effort, but it also requires you to be different. If we're not going to do that as libertarians, when we're going out and we're just trying to, to do the same thing that the same two parties have been doing and the, it's, it's tiresome at this point. There is no differentiation in that world. We have to be different, not though just to be different. We have to be different because our solutions are different and they're better. Right. Yeah, I completely agree. And it was uh, interesting how you kind of mentioned uh, kind of telling people who you believe are smarter than you in a certain regard to uh, consider what you have to say. And I think it's very, very important because it's you have to disarm people essentially when it comes to doing things like this because they have to believe that you're not criticizing them, you're not attacking them. So when it comes to convincing people of things, like I was saying a little bit earlier, you kind of have to have capital with these people, which involves not criticizing or attacking or not finger wagging. And it seems like you kind of have a great capability for doing that and uh, being able to kind of convince people of what you're trying to do and, you know, between your show and then obviously your job as well. And I think that's very, very important. I think more libertarians need to do that rather than try to be a firebrand and say the most vulgar shit on Twitter with people. Perhaps you need to be a little bit more empathetic and maybe a little bit more patient. And yeah, there's some people you're not going to reach, but I guarantee you if you're a little patient and show goodwill and, you know, are um, so reciprocity on that, then you can make a little bit more inroads rather than just, you know, blocking people and thinking that posting memes is going to spread liberty. I, I, I've had maybe two, three feuds in the mm. entire liberty movement ever, ever. And one of them was with Arvin Vora over him when I first entered into the movement, he was at the time the vice chair of the party referring to um, public school teachers and comparing them to rapists and murderers. Um, and then also he would post things on like Veterans Day, like uh, like you tried stuff like just, just very insensitive, just, just stupid stuff. The other person I have uh, openly feuded with was Nicholas Sarwark, former chairman of the Libertarian Party, um, which I think that just puts me on a list of about like 300 other people. Yeah. But other it's than not that, you. Yeah, I, I hope not. But other than that, I think and I hope I've been able to build up a reputation in the greater liberty movement of being a, a bridge builder versus a divider because – I mean, let's just elephant in the room, Kyle. Like, we're not not in a position to be being like, they're not a libertarian. They shouldn't be in the movement. F this guy. Like, no, we we, we are way too small of of, of a movement, number one. But number two, we are facing way too big of of a a monster here that we have to tackle to be doing this nonsense like it requires us to stop playing the stupid games get out of the little pond little you know little pond little fish syndrome Mm -hmm. and actually like start 
start taking ourselves seriously. And I've tried to do that by bringing people that we traditionally haven't talked to because we've been going out to talk to people who they tell us how pretty we are. And, and we like that, right? Like we like to hear someone be like, you know, I was reading Mises and I heard that the free markets are the best. I too was reading a book and I too heard that free markets are the best. Best podcast ever. 3,000 downloads in like the first five seconds. Like people are retweeting it left and right all because it's a, it's a circle jerk in your echo chamber yeah. versus being brave, bringing people on that are not part of our movement, but they have an audience of people whether it's an active audience that they're actively talking to or people who support them and their mission in some way, shape, or form that they can share with this, this conversation on this random liberty-based politics show. And they might just enjoy what they hear. And they maybe want to listen to a few more episodes after they listen to that first episode. And with that, maybe they start to say, oh, huh, I like more of this than I thought I did. And then they, they kind of go down the rabbit hole. I would much rather have 10, 20, 50 of those people, solid, true blue people who are, who are there based on their, their getting it, right? Versus going out and just saying the most bombastic thing to get the likes, to get the dopamine hit, to get the downloads, because that will get you only so far in your, your circle. Mm -hmm. If you truly want to transcend and make a difference, make a real long-term substantive change, not just in our political movement, but also in the lives of the people we're supposed to want to be helping here and actually bring our solutions to, mm -hmm. it requires us to then get out of our bubble and talk to people who are going to help us make these solutions reality. Example, case in point, um, we talk about um, cancer healthcare, right? Uh, and cancer is probably one of the, the biggest areas that impacts all of us in some way, shape, or form. We probably all know someone, mm -hmm. a loved one, a friend, family member, whoever it may be, who has either had or has passed from cancer. I had my, uh, actually, I have a cousin, little cousin, he's only seven, eight years old, who's been battling uh, pediatric cancer now for about two years. And, and he is one of, of you know, thousands and thousands of kids every single year who has to face this. And I had my show, Jacob Beckley, he's the founder of the Beckley Foundation. And what they're doing is they're helping use cryptocurrencies to, to help fundraising. And it's revolutionizing the way that they're able to fundraise for pediatric cancer. And then also they're able to use cryptocurrency and blockchain technology and NFTs to, to help in, incentivize advancements in research in pediatric cancer and wow. other cancer research, because now they're putting all the information on the blockchain, making it accessible to anyone who's doing the research. So instead of having two different entities doing the exact same research three you know, blocks away from each other, but working in silos, having no idea what the other was doing. Now they can see, hey, look at the advancement they're making here. Well, we can build on that. And then likewise, they can build on that and it will exponentially help things move faster at a rate we never thought possible, all because they are taking advantage of the solutions that we're talking about. We would support in the Liberty world. And, and guess what? Now they're making it so the little kids like my cousin who just got his, his first test back post bone marrow transplant, which is looking great, by the way, thank God. Nice. But it's Good. giving more little kids like him a future. And that right there, we're, that's, that's what we're selling. We're not selling our ideas. We're not selling the, you know, the, the libertarian principles. We're not selling candidates. We're selling a better future for the people out there who really matter. And it's the people who are going to be out there that are impacted directly by our solutions that otherwise they would not experience. Right now, 
It's dictated by a corporate media. That's the the basically the, the talking point for the Democratic Party, and then a rogue uh, economic, it seems, um, band of some companies who are standing up and fighting back on the right. People see that they're tired of it. They're looking for a different way of doing things. Oh, a solution that uses an existing technology to help pediatric cancer funding, and oh, actually helps advance technology and and research. Let's go that route. <laughs> Let's avoid the, the 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 squabbling, the fighting, the feuding. Enough of that. Let's start embracing these alternative solutions completely overtly outside of the political solutions that we would usually see because now we're the ones controlling them, right? It's not some bureaucrat sitting in DC. It's not some politician sitting in, in the Senate. It's, it's rather us, the people who are actually the end users, the end, uh, the end owners really of the platform because we're investing in it. We're the ones who want to see it get better and we do so by supporting it and, and we're seeing it make a difference. So let's do more of that, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. And uh, to kind of compliment your point there, it's amazing how many people voluntarily do things like that. So um, my band plays a festival and is hosted by my drummer, um, the Rock for Life festivals. Okay. And I mean, they raise thousands of dollars for sick children. And people will just throw money hand over fist to go see local bands playing to go support um, children who need it. So Good. when you don't present it as political and you just give the free market solution which is a festival out in the middle of nowhere where a whole bunch of bands play completely free right now obviously the person organizing the event has to upfront some money for the sound and everything but all these bands play for free there's people that volunteer to you know sell shirts do merch and do security and stuff like that um people volunteer to do these things. Why don't we give right. more people more solutions like that? And I think people will realize when you present it to them that way and say, hey, this is actually a very libertarian solution. People are like, oh, well, you know what? Why don't we see what else we could do this with? Because you never know where you can stop with this. And I think that it doesn't have to stop in any one specific place. And you can continue to grow liberty in that way. Um, Brad, do you have anything else you want to add or do you want to do uh, the last couple questions I got for every single guest? Let's, let's hit the last few questions. I think we, we put a nice bow on that. That was good. Of course. Awesome. Um, so the uh, last three questions I asked every single guest, we'll start with the first one. Brian, what does liberty look like to you? Liberty looks like to me where people can go out, live their lives, do good recklessly, and not be impeded on by some random arbitrary government entity who uses force to dictate what they consider to be right and wrong. Um, and I think we're seeing right now more people embrace that idea of liberty, right? Like getting, getting away from being told that your business is essential versus non-essential. Yeah. Getting, getting told that, oh, you, you, you have to get a vax in order to go eat at your favorite restaurant or to go to work. Mm -hmm. What? That that's that's what liberty is. Um, uh, yeah, I think that'd be a good way to summarize it. Cool. What does health look like to you? Health looks like to me both your financial health, both your emotional health, but also your sense of purpose. Uh, my good friend and and one of my oldest mentors I've had here, Gary uh, Collins from the Simple Life, he talks about this: the three-legged stool. If at any point in time your physical, mental, or sense of purpose is off your three-legged stool will be uneven and you have to be consciously focusing on all those different areas. And if you're not focusing on them, then, then you're going to see your stool get uneven. So health for me looks like an even stool in that financial, 
mental and uh, your sense of purpose. If you can get that, that three-legged stool even, uh, then you're going to be a more even person. And I would consider a more healthy person. Well, yeah, I think that's probably one of my favorite answers I've got out of uh, anybody when asking that question. Um, yeah, dude, that's awesome. Well, All right. and you know what? Little quick side story. Yeah. Like, I, I, I feel a little, a little overly qualified to answer that because I used to weigh 380. Like, I was uh, a big boy, and I ended up I lost back in in like 10 years ago at this point uh, around 180 pounds of fat altogether. Awesome. And the fact that I was able to do that and saw the difference in where I was to where I ended up night and day. And if you are morbidly obese, if you are struggling with weight, I get it. I've been there. I still struggle. It's a, it's a constant challenge to focus on that every single day for me, but it's possible. And you will see such an amazing return on that investment, not just the, the, the physical investment, but the investment in yourself. Like you will feel so much better. And it goes back to what we were talking about before. You don't eat the elephant all at once. It's one bite at a time. Start with like a you know, five minute walk. Then it's a 10 minute walk. Then a 15 minute walk. Suddenly you're walking five miles. Suddenly you're jogging a mile. Suddenly you're running a 5k. And then all of a sudden you're ending up in a marathon. How did you end up there? because you took it one step at a time, one bite at a time. And I like, I didn't lose 180 pounds overnight. I lost it in two years, mm -hmm. two years. That's almost 750 days. I was tired. I was exhausted. But at the end, I went from a three X down to a, a large medium. Um, I went from wearing a 46 inch waist down to a 34 inch waist. I went from being morbidly obese and being told by my doctor, I was like a, probably a good hamburger or two away from a heart attack to being told that my vitals were the best they've been in 20 years, basically since my doctor had been seeing me because I've been fat since I was a little kid. And that for the first time, she actually felt confident that I was going to be able to like go forward and not have major concerns being a morbidly obese kid. So that's what it takes to, to be healthy. And, and frankly, like it's the best decision I ever made. It's the best decision that I could ever recommend anybody is that if you got the extra baggage, take the step, both metaphorically and figuratively speaking. Yeah, well, I completely agree. And uh, I've covered on this podcast a lot, but that's why I'm so passionate about health as well, because I used to be 250 pounds at one point. Now I'm uh, relatively lean, 188 pounds. There you um, go. Borderline visual abs and deadlifting 500 pounds. I, I feel phenomenal. And I could not agree with what you just said there anymore. Um, we'll, we'll have to do this again, because I kind of want to yes. dive into your story a little bit more, dude. Um Brian, where can everybody find you, keep up with you, and uh, see what you're doing? And do you got anything cool going on in the future? Oh, oh yes, we do. Um, <laughs> so BrianNicholsShow.com, is, uh, that is home base for everything across the board. So let's see where you can start. Number one, I do a weekly uh, email to my subscribers over at Brian Nichols Show for my, my morning sales huddle. Uh, what the idea is, is this is what I would do when I was teaching my sales team um, back when I was out in Philadelphia, I was leading a sales team there uh, of sales development reps. And what we do is we talk about really the basics of, of sales marketing and how we can apply them. In this case, it was the world of telecommunications, cybersecurity, talking to IT directors, CIOs. Well, I took this and I apply it not just to the Liberty uh, movement, but also to just individuals out there who are sales professionals or who are looking to hone their sales craft a little bit more. So that's over at briannicholshow.com, where also you'll get a, a free copy of my ebook that I wrote, Four Easy Steps You Can Implement Now to Help Sell Liberty to Friends and Family. That'll be fired over to your inbox if you sign up for that morning sales huddle as well. 
Um, and then coming in the future. Yeah. So we got a lot. Um, number one, we have the YouTube that's been going crazy blowing up over there. Um, you can find that attached to every episode of the Brian Nichols show, or you can just go ahead and subscribe on YouTube. Um, but for the future behind the scenes here, Kyle, you ready for this? This is going to be an exclusive. Like I haven't told anybody this, not even my own show yet. Um, oh man. I know this is a big, this is a big announcement. So we will, uh, second half of the year have a, a brand new entity joining the Brian Nichols show family. Um, now it's, it's not a person, but more so it's a project and it's going to be focused on helping more so the sales and marketing world for business owners, entrepreneurs. I know for, you know, from reaching out to my audience many a time, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting you know, tens of thousands of folks who, who listen to each and every episode. And I think one of the things I'm hearing consistently is that they want to, instead of always hearing a political conversation or a sales conversation to have an avenue to choose one or the other. other. So being able to give folks an avenue to choose one or the other is uh, what's coming down the pike. So that's all I can really say at this point. But if people want to stay in touch, well, they can go ahead, make sure they follow me on, on social media at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook. Those are the best place to do that. And uh, I'll be sharing everything with my morning sales huddle subscribers first. So, and of course, my audience over the Brian Nichols show. So make sure you head over to uh, subscribe for the morning sales huddle. And then the Brian Nichols show, it's literally anywhere you can find your podcast. Uh, I go ahead five days a week. Uh, yours truly, I'm bringing on folks from all over the uh, the place, whether they're bringing ideas, as I talked about today, to how we can solve pediatric cancer funding and, and help research there, to talking about uh, focusing on fighting back against attacks against uh, the right to uh, to defend oneself. I mean, there's so many different areas that we've been focusing on the program. And then, of course, talking about how to sell and uh, market these ideas effectively to your average person. BrianNicholsShow.com. Kyle, it's been an absolute pleasure, my man. And this is absolutely part one of a many-part conversation for sure. Absolutely. All right, everybody. This was In Liberty and Health, episode number 99. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, check it out. I'm 99! Terrible. Yes. Woo! <laughs> I'm terrible at telling people to do that, so make sure you do all that. Uh, make sure you go follow Brian and check out his show because it is awesome. I've checked out a ton of his stuff, and so should you. So uh, until next time, everybody, rock and roll and take care. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.